0: Welcome to Money Moves, a podcast brought to you by the Globe and Mail's content studio and RBC Direct Investing. I'm Melissa Leong. Today I want to start by telling you about my grandfather. He lived with my family until he died at the age of 92. His bedroom was filled with plaques and photos of him shaking hands with important people, like the mayor of Winnipeg, where I grew up. When I was little, I'd look at those photos and I'd think, wow, wow people really liked the chow mein at Gonggong's restaurant. But it was only after I became an adult that I understood that all of those photos weren't about the food at his restaurant. In these photos, my grandfather was being honored for a lifetime of philanthropy. The money that he earned through his investments and through our family restaurant, he donated back to the Chinese community. I learned that that was what money is for, to build others up, to help your family, to help your community. I learned the concept that we can grow our money and do good in the world at the same time. Cynics might not believe it's possible, but the way I see it, if you're going to be investing your money, you may as well make it be an extension of your own values, what you believe in most. It's possible. So that's what we're talking about today. Ethical investing. Okay, I've got my dictionary. For real, it's an actual dictionary. I'm looking up the word ethical pertaining to or dealing with morals, or the principles of morality, pertaining to right and wrong in conduct. So when it comes to investing, who decides what's right and wrong? I mean, as an individual, it seems that I can choose whatever investment product I want. I can even choose individual company stocks. So in effect, we decide what's right and wrong. But what about the companies we invest in? How do those companies choose what's right and what's wrong for their own business practices and standards? Okay. Okay. Clearly, we've got a lot to get to today, and if we're going to make sure we understand how to invest in a socially responsible way, I think we need to go to the very top. Today, our guest is Melanie Adams. She's the head of corporate governance and the responsible investment team at RBC Global Asset Management. What does that mean? What is a responsible investment anyway? You're about to find out.
1: This podcast is brought to you by RBC Investease. Invest online with the expertise of RBC Portfolio Advisors while saving on management fees. Sit back, track your progress, and let the professionals do all the work for you. RBC Investees is investing made simple.
2: What is your fancy title? So I am head of our corporate governance and responsible investment team at RBC Global Asset Management.
0: And what does that mean you do?
2: So what we do, so what the Corporate Governance Responsible Investment Team does is we support all of our investment teams in integrating ESG, ESG being environmental, social, and governance factors, into the investment process.
0: What do your kids think you do for a living? Oh,
2: <laughs> my younger son, he's, uh, he's seven, he thinks that I uh, pick up garbage pick up litter
0: (laughs) okay because
2: my job is protecting the environment
0: (laughs) i haven't haven't really
2: told him otherwise he thinks i'm a
0: hero (laughs) if my four-year-old heard that you picked up garbage he would freak out i don't even know how many times i've been running outside in my bathrobe pushing my kid in the stroller because we're chasing the waste management team down the street like we're chasing the garbage truck like we're some rabid starstruck fans it's it's like (laughs) garbage truck but um you do not pick up garbage? No, nope, no, nope, not quite. But you are helping the world out. How did you get into this line of work? Well, actually, um,
2: sort of accidentally. Or you know, it's not something that when I was a child I thought that this existed because it truly it didn't really exist back then. But I am a lawyer by background and I practice in the area of securities law, I was with a regulator for, for a while and um, another financial institution. And this area was growing in prominence and an opportunity came up to to work in this area. And uh, and it's been uh, it's been a really exciting time and I mean as as we've seen the industry's really grown over the last, you know, the last decade, but in particular the last five years have been incredible.
0: And what is responsible investing? I feel like that's an umbrella term and I've heard many things that fall under it. But what is is a broad description of what a responsible investment is?
2: Yes, this is a great place to start on the subject because there is so much confusion out there right now in all these terms. And so it's really great to, you know, get a good level set about what they mean. And you're right, responsible investment is more of an umbrella term that can mean uh, different, has different approaches that fall under it. One of them is ESG integration. So this is when you look at environmental, social, and governance factors, and you make a decision on whether you're going to invest in a company or not based on how that company is managing those risks and opportunities.
0: Which risks and opportunities? The
2: ESG ones, environmental, social, and governance. And so an example, if, if, um, if you think of environmental, you'd be thinking of biodiversity. Climate change is a huge issue right now that all companies are looking at. If you're looking at social factors, you would be considering human capital. So this is forced labor or child labor on uh, the supply chain. You'd be looking at employee and customer satisfaction. Um security would be another social factor you'd be looking at. And then governance, the G, the G is actually the most important, because if you don't have good governance in a company, you can't manage your environmental and social risks very well. And so the governance when we're looking at that, we're saying, does, you know, is the board appropriately independent? Is the chair independent? Is there good board gender diversity? Are they managing their risk properly? That all falls under the governance.
0: And so ESG falls under this term responsible investing. Yes. But in responsible investing is basically anything that has the objective of making the world a better place. Is that fair to say? Well, investing,
2: responsible investment is looking at environmental, social, and governance factors as part of the investment process. And so then how you do it are the areas that fall under it. So you can do it by ESG integration. So you look at all these factors, and you're not saying necessarily, oh, I'm not going to invest in one particular sector or one particular industry, but you're looking at how the companies within that sector or within those industries are managing the risks. And then you make your investment decision. So that's ESG integration. It's looking at not just the balance sheet, the earnings of a company, but looking at all these other non-financial factors.
0: What are the different things that fall under this umbrella aside from ESG?
2: Yeah, so ESG is one of them. So I consider there to be three main pillars under responsible investment are three main areas that you might look at this. The second is socially responsible investing, also called SRI is the uh, the acronym. And what you're doing when you're doing SRI is you are screening out industries or companies based on a predefined set of values. So as an investor, you're saying, perhaps, I don't I don't want to invest in any companies that derive a certain percentage of revenues from guns. Or I don't want to invest in tobacco, alcohol, gambling, pornography. Those are some very typical screens. Or fossil fuel companies. That's another one that some investors choose to screen out from their portfolios. And so that is a way that you could invest. And it's often called investing with your values or ethical investing.
0: Okay, so that's two. So we've got ESG... You have SRI. Yep. So now we've got (laughs) two. a lot of acronyms. And what's the third? The third
2: is impact investing. And so what impact is, is when you invest and you're still looking for a financial return, but you're also looking for a measurable impact in the environmental or social category. So for example, maybe you're investing in uh, low-income housing and you're still getting a return from your investment, but you know, for example, that a certain number of families have been housed as part of that investment project. Other examples would be you're investing in retrofitting or greening buildings or you're investing in women entrepreneurs. Those are just some examples of, of impact investing.
0: Is there overlap between ESG and impact investing?
2: There can be. In fact, there can be overlap between all three of these categories, okay. which is where it can be a little confusing. Right. We, I know at, at RBC GAM, we have a line of vision funds where we screen out sectors, but we also do ESG integration. So any of the remaining companies that are within that portfolio, we're still looking at all the ESG risks and opportunities. That might exist. And so any any one of these three different approaches can be, um, you know, merged together depending on the investor's wishes.
0: So under the umbrella of responsible investing, you have those three branches, I suppose. Um, And they include, I'm just trying to summarize to make sure I understand. So they include strategies, I guess, where you screen out or you exclude companies that engage in activities that you find undesirable. You include companies that are doing things that you think are good for the world. Um, As well, you could also target companies that do good, but also make a profit for you and your portfolio. Is that? Yes, that's right. That's generally speaking. (laughs) Yep. I think you've got the three pillars. Why is this popular? Is it becoming more popular? What are you seeing in terms of demand? It's
2: becoming more and more popular. I think one of the reasons is that um, investors are recognizing that A company's profits is not all tied up in its financial statements and its earnings anymore. It used to be the case that a significant portion of a company's revenues and profits came from financial factors. And now we have, you know, the world's a different place. The internet's been invented. We have social media, immediate dissemination of information if a customer is not satisfied with a company. We saw that actually with the Me Too movement. We saw how how employee dissatisfaction can lead to direct financial implications for a company. Same as cybersecurity, you have a privacy breach, you can have immediate reputational or financial consequences. These are situations that didn't exist in the world 30 years ago, when we looked at companies to invest in. So Now when we look at a company, it's really important to think about all these other non-financial factors, because they do play out in the value of a company. So That's one of the reasons that investors are looking at it. They're looking at it as a value. What is the value of the share price? But also investors are thinking and realizing that there's a way that they can actually invest with their values too, if that's important to them.
0: And who is looking for this? Who is looking for responsible investing?
2: What we're particularly seeing just in, in, in general are that women and millennials are really the ones who are interested in ESG integration and responsible investment. Why do you think that is? That's a really good question. I think um, millennials generally care about the planet and the world that they're, they're inheriting from previous generations. And they want to make sure that you know, the, we we do right by the world, and uh, and we take care of the planet. Uh, women, I'm not sure. Uh, I think that's a really interesting statistic that women are apparently uh, more interested in in this than uh, than men.
0: And so, where do you start? If I am interested in a responsible investment, I want profits, but I also want the world to be a better place. Where can I get a responsible investment?
2: Well, what you need to do is you need to think about how you're invested, if you have an advisor, if you have a financial planner, I need to speak to them and ask them what they know about this, what information they have about this. And if you're investing through an asset manager, go to the website and see what the asset manager is doing. I know on our, on our website, we have a lot of information about how we view this, what our approach is, what factors we're considering, and, and how we're making, making our investment decisions. And so that's really important. Do some due diligence and find out the various approaches out there. There's a lot of information on the internet about how to, uh, how to think about responsible investment. And what if you don't have an advisor? If you want to do direct investing, for example, if you're investing on your own. What you would need to do then is you need to look at, if you're investing in a fund, you need to look at the fund, the the fund facts and what information is, is out on the various funds and find out what the approach is and what that fund, how that fund invests, what the investment team is doing, which you should be able to find as well on the internet. If you're investing directly in securities, you should be looking at all the public information that a company has out there. A lot of companies now are doing ESG reports, so they're reporting on their sustainability goals. There's also a big movement for um, climate-related reporting, which is called TCFD, the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosure. And a lot of companies are reporting in line with this particular framework. And so what they're doing is they're outlining their their way, that how they're looking at their different climate related risks and opportunities. And so increasingly we are seeing more and more disclosure from companies on ESG risks and opportunities.
0: It's up to us to just basically look for the information.
2: Yes, and you know, it depends on the company. Some companies are struggling a little bit with how much they're disclosing on this, but as, you know, as a larger institutional investor, we are engaging with companies and and uh, and asking for more disclosure so that we can have proper assessment of these.
0: And financial institutions are are helping uh, the public out, right? I mean, you work directly with some of the stakeholders to figure out whether or not they meet certain requirements when it comes to ESG?
2: Yes. Well, actually, that, that introduces the subject of active stewardship, which is a really important part of ESG integration. And active stewardship is engaging with the company and voting your proxies as well as a shareholder. In a manner so that you can talk about these ESG risks and opportunities, find out how the company is thinking of them, and, and have an opportunity to talk to the company about our views as an investor. And so, all of our investee companies, we're very familiar with what their approach is to their ESG risks and opportunities because we've sat down with the directors or management. And uh, and heard about them and voiced our concerns if there are any, and so um, that's part of the ESG integration. You know the, the expectation that when you you're investing in a in a fund that has ESG integration, that the fund manager is aware of all of these risks and opportunities that the company is looking at, whether they're you know sustainable. There's certain companies that you know have have put a really strong emphasis on having good corporate social purpose so we've seen a lot of discussion about this in the in the past year and and what what corporate social purpose looks like and there's companies like unilever that make it part of everything they do and so so yes as an asset manager that's that's what you would be doing if you're doing that in esg integration
0: so i'm gonna roll back because you yep. said there that um, all of our investees companies so i just wanted to make sure that we describe what that yeah it is
2: investee companies just means companies that that rbc gam is invested in that What's we GAM? Global Asset Management, RBC Global Asset Management. So any company that we would be invested in is is an investee company. For us, but you know, another asset manager would have, of course, different investee companies. You're invested in a company for a long time. You believe in the company. You believe in management and and what they're doing. And so you have a relationship with them. You talk to them, and uh, and they're open and receptive to. You, typically, they're open and receptive to hearing uh, shareholder views on uh, on particular issues.
0: So you're open to expressing
2: concerns,
0: and they're okay with listening to it. And
2: yes, generally, it's you know, it's a very very open frank dialogue that, uh, that we're engaged in with companies.
0: How can we take the process of professionals like Melanie Adams and think about choosing companies when we invest? We're getting to that right after this.
1: RBC InvestEase is an online portfolio manager that provides you with a simple, automated way to invest online. Simply answer some questions online and your money will be invested in a mix of low-cost exchange-traded funds or ETFs to suit your needs. With RBC Investees, you get the benefit of smart technology, a personalized portfolio, and low-cost investing, backed by a team of experts who will do all the work for you. RBC Investees is investing made simple.
0: So as an investor... I don't have the opportunity to sit down with the, with the team from the company that I'm investing in. Can I get you to describe the process of how you work with a company or how a company becomes an investee, which sounds like a bestie. I like it because it makes it sound like you guys are in it
2: together. Well, you know, each team is different in their process and how they evaluate a company. They look at the financials. They look at all the, you know, the ESG factors, extra financial factors that are material for that company as well. And then they make their investment decision. And once we're invested in a company, we meet with management. Sometimes management or the board reaches out to us as an investor as part of their proactive um, engagement. And sometimes we reach out to management or the board if there's something in particular that we'd like to discuss.
0: That sounds great. If I was at a company and I got called up to be your bestie and investee, I would put my best foot forward right to come to the meeting and want to uh, have a discussion about how I can be better do you ever part ways have you ever parted ways with a company
2: we have that has happened generally though we think engagement is more is more effective than divestment and so if, you know you when you make an investment decision you're you're telling management that you believe in them you believe in their vision for what they can do and so if you disagree on a particular factor we think it's more effective to be at the table voicing our opinion and our views to management than to just divest from the company altogether.
0: I'm glad that you talked about working with companies over a long-term basis because you're, you have confidence that they will do well financially. Because I think that sometimes when people think of responsible investing, they think, OK, well, I'm going to do good, but am I going to make money?
2: Yes, that's actually a common myth that in order to be a responsible investor, you're going to sacrifice returns. We released a study actually last spring, and what it was is it's a, it's a study we, we um, update every few years or so that looks at SRI. So specifically when you're screening out companies or sectors based on your values. And we looked at whether or not there are any, conc- what the conclusions are and if there's any return sacrifice that needs to be made. And our conclusions was that no, um the studies have predominantly shown that you do not sacrifice returns when you're investing with your values. Where it's a little bit harder to prove is, are you actually making money? are you are you um, increasing your returns if you do this type of investment? And there have been studies to show that we know that companies that have good governance on their e and s risks and opportunities, have better financial results. So we know that. We know that there's generally lower volatility. And so for an overall fund that's doing ESG integration, intuitively, it makes sense that over the long run, there would be, you know, enhanced returns.
0: Can you give me sort of an example of, say, if you're going to have a gender diverse management team, then you're opening yourself up to a certain kind of culture and maybe that culture is more conducive to great work, <laughs>
2: you know? Yeah, that's actually a great example. Uh, board gender diversity is uh, really important. We know a lot of studies have shown that when there's at least 30 percent women on the board or in senior management, that leads to direct improved financial performance by companies. And this is an area actually that we're very proactive in proxy voting. So we we insist on two women on each board of all of our all the companies that we are invested in. Otherwise, we vote against the entire nominating committee and we're slowly increasing that over time. We are a member of the 30% Canadian Investor Group where we go out and engage with companies to who are lagging in their board diversity because, you know, we know that it can lead to better financial performance. 17% of board seats in Canada are held by women. And so that's really low. So we're, uh, we'd like to see that go up.
0: Is there a standard questionnaire or um, a standard way of evaluating a company on uh, ESG integration? Or are you using your own uh, standards? Um, so every asset manager integrates
2: ESG maybe a little bit differently. Even within our own, we have 23 investment teams globally. Each team does it a little bit differently depending on their region or their asset class. What's important though for every team is to be looking at issues that are material for the companies they're invested in. And so for example, our emerging markets team looks very deeply into supply chain risk because that's a, a risk that we typically see in emerging markets. Our Asian equity team looks a lot at aggressive accounting and governance around accounting as well. You know, typically we see with some of our, our Asian investee companies, they're, they're, they're lagging a little bit in, in board gender diversity. What's the supply chain risk? Supply chain risk? So on the supply chain of a company, whether or not they're using forced labour or child labour, for example. So you've really got to dig into that because it's not just the company you're looking at, but you're also looking at their suppliers. This is something that uh, plagued Nike for years on the supply chain side. And that's actually a story of where they took one of these... ESG factors and they made it a success story because they have they have created an entire governance structure around looking at their supply chain risk and being completely transparent with it.
0: Um, and I just want to rewind back. You did mention Unilever. Do you have any other examples of like specific companies that you think do well?
2: Well, they, they stand out because they're a company that said, we believe in long-term growth and profits. And so they stopped doing quarterly financial reporting. And every project that they do has to have an attached social purpose. And so they're a very interesting company in that regard. But if you look at different companies, what's really important is, for example, if you're looking at an oil and gas company, you can't compare it against the world of other sectors and other industries. You need to compare it against its peers to see how it's really doing on these different factors. And so that's really important. And makes sense. Yeah. And what else is really important is you have to look at what's material for a company. Because what's material for um, a technology company, cybersecurity, may not at all be material for, you know, a food and beverage company, for example. And so, knowing which factors are important is critical to the analysis.
0: Should you also start with knowing what's important to you? Figuring out sort of the values that you hold dear and then looking for those in companies and investments?
2: Yes, 100%. If you're an investor and you're thinking, how do I want to invest in responsible investing? You should really th- think, does it matter to me if I'm invested in certain areas, certain sectors? Or it doesn't matter to me. But what, what's really important is more the analysis, the ESG integration analysis. And that's what I care about. And so that's step one is to sort out you know whether you want to invest for value or values. You know that's what they often say by value. You know the value of the company or values your own personal uh, values and whether you want that to play out as part of your portfolio.
0: I feel like I feel when we talk about money, it's often you try to figure out what's important to you and then you use your money accordingly, right? So in this way, you can also figure out this is important to me in terms of my values, what I want to see in the world, and then use your money accordingly. Without sacrificing returns, as we've said, that's a myth. (laughs) That's That's right, that's right, yeah. Do you mind if I ask you just on a personal level, like what, what are the causes that you feel most strongly about?
2: Board gender diversity is absolutely one. I don't know if I uh, if you you could tell when I went on a little bit of a <laughs> I went on a little bit of a rant earlier. That's really important to me. I think that's um, I think it's important for the world for society. Um, you know, climate change. That's really important right now. That's a that's a global issue that we all should be thinking about. So I would say those are two that really that really strike
0: home for me. You're picking up garbage, right? Yeah, you that's right. The, you are helping the environment <laughs> every day. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Oh, it's my this. pleasure. It's time for my three takeaways, and it's perfect, because as Melanie taught us, there are three ways we can think about ethical or responsible investing. Number one, socially responsible investing is the most tried-and-true old-school way of thinking about social values and investing. SRIs can screen out the industries you don't want to support, like, for example, firearms or tobacco. Number two, then there's ESG, which stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance care about how many women sit on the board of a company, their environmental policy, and how it compares to other companies in their own industry? It's a holistic look into a company's values and governance. Number three, which we touched on, is impact investing. It's one step away from philanthropy. It's about investing. So you're not just giving money away. You do expect financial returns, but it's in a tangible and specific project for social impact. Et voila! Now you know the three lenses through which you can see how your investment strategy can include your social values. Big thanks to Melanie Adams at RBC for walking us through ethical and responsible investing. And thank you for listening. If you're enjoying Money Moves, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review our show. It really helps like-minded people find out about what we're doing. But even more importantly, if there's someone in your life who really wants to do good in the world, especially with their money, this episode is perfect for them. Send it to them right now. And, of course, remember to subscribe. We're on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and your favorite podcast app. Money Moves is produced by Hannah Sung, with audio mix and master by Pippa Johnstone. Our executive producer is Kieran Rana. Now remember, folks, the opinions expressed by people on the show belong to the individuals and are not the opinions or advice of RBC or its affiliates. And the information in this podcast is intended as general information only, and should not be relied upon as providing legal, tax, financial, or other professional advice. I'm Melissa Leong. Thank you so much for listening to Money Moves.